Welcome to the Elm City Church Podcast. As a community of people who are trying to practice the way of Jesus together, we hope that these messages inspire and equip you for the journey of faith in everyday life. Welcome. Merry Christmas Eve, everybody. Merry Christmas. Yes. Uh, always, a, always a fun time of year as we've been working through Advent. And interesting, this year is you know, Christmas Eve is falling on a Sunday. Uh, so we'll, we'll maybe see some of you later tonight. Maybe, maybe we will not. Um, but it's great to be here to, to worship, worship God together. So years ago, uh, this guy named uh, Dr. Gary Chapman, he wrote a book called The Five Love Languages. I'm not sure if uh, many of you are familiar with it. Uh, but in it, he kind of theorized that people give and receive love in five kind of primary ways. And they are quality time, words of affirmation, gifts, acts of service, physical touch. Those are sort of five main ways that people sort of give and, and receive love. And he wrote this book as a way of helping you discover the way those closest to you kind of feel the most loved so you can express it to them in that way. Now, I'm always a little bit skeptical about stuff like that, this, because it just seems to tidy it up way too neatly. Um, but I do think that he was onto something here, and because and, you almost see it. I bet you, you look at this list, probably the people that are closest to you, or you can say, like, yeah, I kind of see that I'm this way. Or, you know, the most meaningful thing for me is uh, quality time with someone. Or I like to uh, show someone I love them by acts of service. Like, is that, you guys, does that make sense? I know my, uh, my you know, both of my kids giving gifts is one of the ways that they uh, show love. So it was really fun. We actually did our, our, our family Christmas this morning, and they were just so excited to give us gifts, give us what they got. And it was just fun to watch how they, how they did that. Um, but this, this, this morning, I, I was kind of thinking about it, and this week, with the, with, the, with the love languages. If this is, you know, I'd say reasonably true, maybe it's not 100% gospel, but we can all see that, yeah, this, this, this lines up. If this is how we are uh, created to receive love, and if we're created in the image of God and to be in relationship with God and loved by him, it would make sense that in some way that God would love us in ways that also reflect these five things. Like if we were created by a God in his image and we were created to be in relationship with God and to be loved by him, it would make sense that we should see God showing his love for us in these ways. And as we're looking at Advent and we're in the season of Advent and this week is on love, that this was just really rolling through my mind this week. So far we had looked at hope, peace, joy. Those are the, those are the words leading up to uh, this morning. In Advent, we're in a season where we look back, look back at the birth of Jesus, and reflect as we look forward to his return. So it's a season we step into and we almost try to imitate the longing that people had as they were waiting for the Messiah. We are no longer waiting for the first coming of Jesus. We look back at that, but we anticipate when he's going to return and he's going to make all things right. And this week is love. In John 3.16 a verse that most of you all know famously starts off by saying, for God so loved the world. For God so loved the world. Another way you can translate this, you could say it this way, that this is how God showed his love for the world. 
That's, a, that's another way this could, this could be said. So as I was thinking about it, let's go back to the five love languages and see how God has shown his love for the, for the world in all these ways. And the first, might be a little surprising, is quality time. How, how, how does that fit in? Well, from the beginning of the story of the scriptures, we see that God desired to be with us. One of the first things that happened was Adam and Eve were created. They were in the garden, and the story talks about this regular rhythm where they would be with God, where they would know him. They get to be like, do you believe that God desires not just things from you, but time with you? I think maybe if you've grown, you know, maybe you've heard that for a while, and it just sort of, you forget how different that is. Like every other world religion, this is not there. You serve the gods. You appease the gods. You do all of these things for the gods. But quality time, friendship, intimacy, I mean, that is unheard of except for in Christianity. You know, you know God is someone, uh, you know, to, again, like do things for, but to be friends with? Listen to what Jesus says in John 15, 15. He says, no longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my father, I have made known to you. So the same God who reveals himself in scripture, who is holy and is just and is an all-consuming fire, also offers himself to us in friendship also wants us to draw near. I was thinking, we look, we're looking back at the birth of Jesus this morning. You know, Jesus' life on earth was approximately 33 years. It didn't have to be that long. It could have been, I mean, he could have come, you know, as, a, as an adult. He could have lived till 18. No, he spent 33 years, and I think part of that was to be with us. Quality time, even Emmanuel means God with us. Then I was thinking, secondly, words of affirmation. Where does that fit in? You know, we see this all throughout the New Testament. We've been going through Ephesians most of this year. I had planned on being done with Ephesians probably in early September. Looks like we're going to finish it in March. So we've been slowly working our way through this letter. But over and over, what do we see? God saying words of affirmation of, if you are in Christ, you are dearly beloved. You are a saint in Christ Jesus. It affirms this is who you are. You are loved. You are sanctified. You are called. Those are truths that are spoken over, to us, over us through the scriptures. And acts of service. You know, Jesus said, the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. You know, when you, this is also comes out, when you read the gospels over and over, you see Jesus serving people. Again, unique in all of the history of religions is a God who did not come to be served. We are not, through God who did not create us to be his minions so we can just do things for him. He came as the servant of all. He came serving us. He humbled himself and was not, even though he was the king, God was not too good to serve, which means none of us are, which means none of us are too good you know, at the Last Supper, Jesus took on the role of the lowest servant. No one wanted to do it. So he picked up the cloth, disrobed, got down, and did the dirty job of washing everybody's feet. And he gladly did it. 
And he says, if I'm your king and I'm your savior and I'm going to do, to do this and show you my love this way, go and do likewise. What about physical touch? Jesus was God in the flesh. The, almost the unknowable God becomes knowable, seeable, and touchable. In so many of Jesus' miracles, you see him touching people that were untouchable. He actually could have just spoken many of these miracles. And what does he do? He goes up to a leper, touches them. He heals people. And maybe that might be the first time someone has touched them in years because they're considered unclean. And he touches them. He didn't have to. He drew close. I was thinking about the, at, the, at the Last Supper. There's this scene where Jesus is with his disciples and they're sitting together and John's sitting next to him and he asks Jesus a question. And what does he do? He leans back, puts his head against his chest, almost where he can hear his heartbeat, and he asks Jesus a question. I mean, do you think of Jesus like that? As affectionate? He was. That is one of the ways that he showed us his love. The God of the universe was also not too good to get his hands dirty and get close to us. And then gifts. John 3.16 again says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. And the ultimate way that God showed his love for us is that Jesus gave his life for us so that we could be saved. For God loved the world in this way that he gave his one and only son that whoever, whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Salvation is the gift and we can be recipients of it. But we can only, but it's only good for us if we receive it. Even in the words of Jesus, in one of the most compassionate uh, interactions that we see in the scripture, scriptures, he's talking with Nicodemus, there's a warning baked in. There's a warning baked in. He says, everyone, he says this line of, shall not perish. But what does that also mean? God loves the world, God died for the world, but only those who accept his gift of salvation become members of the family of God. There is a warning baked into this, that all who reject God's good gift, all who say no, will perish. Which can be really hard to hear, but none of this makes sense if it's true. If that's not true, then why did Jesus have to go to a cross? If that's not true, then why does, why does the, all of the scriptures rest on the fact that Jesus truly was the long-awaited Messiah who lived the perfect life, who died on the cross for our sins, rose again on the third day, and all of his disciples went to their deaths proclaiming, this is true, we saw it, he is who he says he was. We, we cannot minimize this part about it, even if it makes us uncomfortable, because Jesus' love isn't this cutesy, hallmark, tame, clean, bland love that costs nothing and expects nothing of us. That is not how the scriptures describe love. It's real love. It's a gift that came at the ultimate cost, and those who reject God's offer of salvation and reject Jesus will perish because they will have to take upon themselves the penalty and the punishment for their sins. But God went to the greatest lengths imaginable to show his love, to make a way for us to be reconciled to him. 
See, as, as much as that is, the, the, the truth of that needs to sober us and hit us. And without that, we forget and we miss how great the gift of salvation truly is. And Jesus says, there is no greater love than to lay down one's life for his friends. No greater love than this. So the offer we have at Christmas is great. It's whoever believes in him shall have everlasting life. Whoever. Who is that for? Whoever believes in him shall have everlasting life. And this is not just an offer of heaven. One day in the far off, something there. It's also an invitation to a new way of life with Jesus that begins in the here and now. The way of Jesus is exclusive. The way of Jesus is exclusive. He says, I am the only way to God. There are no other paths. But what else does he say? Whoever, whoever believes in me shall not perish, but have everlasting life. It is a narrow way, but it is open to everybody. There is no one who will be turned away who, does, who, who, who says yes to Jesus' invitation, which is why this is such good news, which is why last week we talked about this is a message worth giving your life to and giving your life for. That at Christmas, the Son of God came to live among us, to be with us. Emmanuel means God with us, so that we could be reconciled to God, so that we could know him in a way that we couldn't previous before, so that we could truly experience his love. That is a real message of love. And so my question is, what is your response to the offer of Christmas? What is your response? It, sometimes it's, 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 it's hard as I think about how to convey, convey these truths. But ultimately, I leave this with God and with the power of the Holy Spirit. Because you can say the absolute perfect invitation that's logical and connects all the dots, and you just watch a bunch of people zone out. And you can give the most half-hearted, you just feel like it's just all over the place, and you, and you invite people and because Jesus has been working on them, because the Holy Spirit's been guiding them, they're looking at you like I've been waiting my whole life to hear this news. Because that's how God works. Because this is not, this is a work of God. This is not a well-crafted sales pitch to get you on Team Jesus. If it was, it would be much better than this. <laughs> it is the work of the Holy Spirit convicting you that in Christ Jesus, salvation is available that everything you hoped and wanted and chasing after is not going to be in those paths that we found in him. So the invitation of Christmas is, Jesus says, repent and believe the good news. Turn around from your direction and start walking to me. Confess that you are a sinner, that on your own you can do nothing to earn this. And the good news is you were never expected to. That Jesus came and died so that we can be reconciled to him. And this morning, again, if you're here, how have you responded? Because this gift, it's only good if you take it. It's only good if you accept it. It's not just good enough to know that Jesus is a great savior, to believe in God, to be okay with church and Christmas. That is not the invitation. There's not bad things, but that's not what Jesus is asking. He says, Anyone who does not believe in me will perish. 
I do not want that to happen for you, Jesus said. I went to a cross. I gave the most valuable thing that could ever be given. The life of the Son of God was given so that you could experience his love. You know, Tim Keller would always tell us this great story where some people were like, I don't like the idea of a God that would punish people or a God of wrath or even something like that. I don't like that. I, you know, I, I believe God is just love and he accepts everybody. And he would always go, how much did that love cost God? He's like, that God you're talking about, how much did that love cost him? It cost him nothing. But how much did the, did the true love of God cost that went to the greatest lengths imaginable? to reconcile you to him. He's like, that is true love. There is no greater love than he who gives up his life for his friends. And that's what you're invited into at Christmas. So I don't know what you came in with, what your background is, where you're at with your journey, with your journey towards Jesus. But whenever I talk about the gospel, I always want to give people an opportunity to respond. Because if you're in here this morning and you're thinking, I've been okay with church I've been good with this. I believe in God. But you know what? I've never actually said yes to Jesus' invitation. Deep down, I realize I'm just hoping that I'm good enough. Deep down, I'm just hoping that at the end of the day, my good will outweigh the bad, and I'll be able to get in. Don't live like that anymore. It's exhausting. It doesn't work, and it's not what Jesus says. Jesus has paid it all, and we get to respond in faith. And if you're here this morning and thinking, I need that, I need to respond to this. I'm going to lead you in a prayer. And I, and I say it over and over whenever I do this, this prayer is not a magical chant that saves you. What it is is a way to express in words what the Bible talks about with repentance and faith. And it's only as good as what your faith is in. So, but if you truly believe that you want to trust Jesus as your Savior this morning, here is a way that you could respond. I'm going to pray, and you can just silently in your head just pray this to God. Um, so why don't we bow our heads right, right now. You can just say something as simple as, Dear God, I realize that I'm a sinner, and there's nothing I can do to save myself. I'd just like to confess my inability to do anything about my sin or work my way into heaven but I believe the good news of John 3.16. So that I want to trust in you alone as the one who has borne my sins on the cross. I truly believe you paid it all. I believe that Jesus was raised from the dead on the third day as proof of the victory that was accomplished. God, forgive me. Please save me. I want to be adopted into the family of God and experience what it means to be a dearly beloved child. In your name, amen. And if you prayed that this morning, I don't want to embarrass you in any way, but come and talk to me after. We have connect cards. You can just even fill it out. If you don't have time or you're unsure, you can just click on it on, the, on one of the things, that, and we'll set up a time to have coffee and meet. Because there's no greater thing than truly knowing what it means to love God and be loved by him. And so as his followers that are in here this morning, remember, we are called to love like Jesus loved. We are called to reflect God's love. And so how did Jesus love? Well, quality time. We are living in an epidemic of loneliness right now. One of the greatest gifts you can give to others is to spend time with them, to love them, to give them the gift of your fully undivided attention.
undistracted and be present. And words of affirmation. Are you an encourager or a critic? Be an encourager. There's so much we can criticize. There's so much we can be critical about. You might even be right. You probably are right most of the time in the things you want to criticize. But for every 10, for, for every one thing you criticize, have 10 words of affirmation. Say 10 positive things. That's probably not even big enough for the scale. Have you ever had someone say lots of good things to you and you're still listening in your back of your mind to one negative thing said to you in junior high? <laughs> like 30 years later, you're like still holding on to it. We are just not, like, be an encourager. Acts of service. You know, love is something we do, not just talk about. Look, who can you serve? As we're heading into the season of Christmas right now, you're gonna be with family. Kids in the room, kids in the room. Serve your parents, do the dishes, take out the trash. They do so much for you. One of the ways you can just simply ways show them you love them. Graham, I'm talking to you in the back, okay? <laughs> He's like, I'm never coming back, he called me out. <laughs> Serve, physical touch. Don't be shy in the hugs with those that are okay with it. <laughs> Some of the best ways you can serve people is by not hugging them. But, but other people, hug them, give them, and then gifts. We give gifts at Christmas because we have received the greatest gift of all. Remember, we love because he first loved us. We can love because he first loved us. We can be generous because we've been generous too. We can forgive because we are forgiven. That is why we can do these things. We, we love because we have been loved in so many ways. So I encourage you, come back tonight if you're around. Come back tonight and we celebrate the birth of Jesus, the Savior of the world. I'm gonna call the team up. We're gonna end with singing a few more songs and we're gonna sing about this amazing love of Jesus. That for God loved the world in this way, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. And that is good news, is it not? Amen. There we go. Lord, we thank you for your love. We thank you that at Christmas we get to celebrate that you came and walked among us. You did not stay distant. You spent quality time. You served as, as the least. You were encouraging and spoke words of affirmation over us. You, and you gave us the great gift of new life in you. Fill us with that love and empower us to share it with others. You might pray. Amen. We hope this message has been impactful. For more information about how you can connect with Elm City Church, visit elmcitychurch.com or follow us on social media. We'd love to help you take some next steps.